Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Indictment watch. Well, I guess for some. The rest of us are going about our lives. Because um, there's no indictment. Now, I'm not saying one won't come. I'm saying the odds are it won't come. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY is the number. Find everything. Tony. Uh, Tony Katz, I should say, .locals.com. You can email me, Tony at TonyKatz.com. I don't mind. I'll be happy to hear from you. Trump said there would be indictment on Tuesday. Trump was wrong. And I know what you're saying. How is that possible? Donald Trump is never wrong. Hello. Hey, sir, I was just talking about you, about how you're never wrong, except for the whole thing about the indictment coming uh, uh, yesterday and didn't... It didn't happen. That's okay. You could be off by a day. I honestly must say uh, it twofold, and I'll get into this more. I don't see it happening, but who puts it past these people? If you have turned Trump hate into a cult-like obsession, um, why would you think it won't happen? But the rational mind accepts the fact that it shouldn't happen. I thought one of the best takes on this came from Dana Perino. I thought she did an incredibly good job of a, of a, of a breakdown here, and I, and I want to share it with you. But have we noticed how angry Trump supporters are at Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, for this response being asked about the possible indictment? Trump paying hush money to a porn star through Michael Cohen, the then lawyer, and it came from the wrong, it was categorized wrong, and was it actually some kind of uh, campaign contribution, therefore a violation of uh, campaign, uh, or I should say election laws in the state of, of New York, and thus it could be a felony. I mean, his answer was, well, it's the answer I would have given. But what I can speak to is that if you have a prosecutor who is ignoring crimes happening every single day in his jurisdiction, and he chooses to go back many, many years ago uh, to try to use something about porn star hush money payments, you know, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda and weaponizing the office. And um, I think that that's fundamentally wrong. He started by saying, I don't know anything about paying a hush money to a porn star. And Trump supporters were up in arms. How dare you? This is so cheap. You're attacking him. The DeSantis supporter is saying, wait a second. How glass jaw are you guys? There's a really, I mean, if you're watching it from, from our perspective, you're like, ooh, where's my bourbon? Because it's fantastic. It's fantastic theater. The Trump supporter is used to punching, 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 and there's nothing you can do about it. The DeSantis supporters like, wait a second, we used to be Trump supporters. Watch me work. Bam! Right in the nose. Blood is gushing. My gosh, your sinuses aren't going to work for a month. DeSantis saying, look, I don't know anything about, you know, paying hush money to porn stars. But I do know this, that, what, that what's being said uh, is, 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 is wrong. 
Well, you know what, 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 what Alvin Bragg, the district attorney, is doing is wrong. And Man, it was, a, it was a good line from DeSantis. It was a solid line, and Trump supporters are wicked upset. And people are writing this as, man, uh, Trump uh, took uh, his shot at DeSantis, and DeSantis shot back, and now Trump can't take it. This is about the weakness of the supporters. Oh, you bet I'm going to get myself into trouble. I'm cool with that. It's DeSantis's response wasn't even that much of a hit. It wasn't that much of a hit. It was, it was the stuff you would be expecting, but Trump supporters reacted with such ridiculousness as opposed to just, you know, staying, staying chill, baby. That's all you got to do. Just. Just stay a little chill. Be cool, honey bunny. Be cool. That's it. But they weren't. Because the response, the big response, wasn't coming from DeSantis. It's coming from DeSantis supporters, who very many of them, a very a very large many of them, were Trump supporters. Now they're like, no, DeSantis could do a better job for us. I get the fight. I don't get the baggage. Count me in. Right? That's where they're at. And so the supporters are fighting each other online and other places. Uh, the whole thing is is pretty nutty, but you're seeing that the Trump supporters can't really take a hint. They can't do it. They are just complaining every second. Oh, don't worry. We'll see how the DeSantis supporters do when the real hits start coming, but just noticing it all right now. But it was, it was um, Dana Perino, who I thought, did an excellent job of explaining why Alvin Bragg, the DA, shouldn't be going forward with an indictment of Donald Trump. The problem is Dana is engaged in a rational conversation. I would ask this to Alvin Bragg, you know, how much is a mugshot worth to you? And is it worth losing all of your credibility um, to be dragged through, not just by conservatives, you have liberals who are saying this is not the case to bring, but does this mean that much to you? And is that why the timing to the question of the person who thinks it was a crime? But is that why is that you want this? So the Democrats seem willing to actually break norms because of the threat that President Trump might one day break norms. And part of this also goes to just democracy itself. What do you know? There's liberal groups and conservative groups that go all over the world to try to counsel countries that are developing democracies about how you treat opposition. Mm. This is not how you treat an opposition. It's a terrible example, especially because all this convoluted it was a misdemeanor. It wasn't. It was civil. It wasn't. And if you if it is not clear as day, this is, the, the president did not shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue. That's something that people could wrap their heads around. Even in Georgia, they'd be like a phone call, like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe you could get there. But if they do this, then anything else that comes after that is not going to be taken seriously because that already will be baked into the cake in terms of the voters' minds. Last thing for me is Politico did this profile of Alvin Bragg, and within it, he's described as Alvin Bragg is described as politically averse. This guy, he. He was definitely a Soros-funded prosecutor. He came in, he turned upside down the city's law enforcement as the judge went through very clearly. And to say that he is not political is just insane. He absolutely is. And that's fine. And that's why, just be upfront about it. If you are actually going to go this route and you are political, 
and you think you have a case and you're going to bring it, fine, but beware the consequences. And I imagine that at the end of 2024, they might not think the mugshot was worth it. Now that is how a professional does things. The, the argument is twofold, and we'll start with the political part first. He's not political? Of course, anytime someone tells you not, that's a lie. Like, if someone told you I wasn't political, of course I'm political. Of course I am. Of course I have a bias. Of course I have a bent. Of course I have a point of view. What we have found, in, in at least in a comparative kind of analysis, I'm just more rational than everybody else. The way we do things, break things down, I'm willing to see that the other side may have an argument that's at least worthy of discussion, even if I don't agree with it. I don't believe that because I am this, everybody who is like me is doing the right thing or saying the right things, etc. That's crazy. You got to actually break things down for what they are as they are right in front of your face. Is this the thing they want for 2024? You should never engage based on how it's going to help or hurt politically but rather on whether or not it's the right thing to do. But I would be, I would be, I'd be playing make-believe if I didn't think people didn't move in that regard. Because this is much bigger, as Dana Prino is explaining, than just Alvin Bragg, the district attorney of Manhattan, engaging a potential indictment. This is the entire Democratic Party on the hook. That's what it is. Alvin Bragg indicts, and you have a, a mugshot of Donald Trump. That is fuel for the political right and very, very hard for the political left to figure out how they're going to get past in the minds of independent and undecided voters. All those people who voted for Biden, although 81 million, get serious. All those people who voted for Biden because they were told that if they vote for Biden, all the craziness will end. All the madness will end. All the hate will end. I just want normal. Just give me normal. I just need things to be normal. I'll vote for Biden and everyone's going to shut up and everything's just going to be normal. And then they got a world where they were called domestic terrorists and they're like, wait a second, I didn't vote for this. Then they got a world where people push their kids to change their gender. And like, wait a second, I didn't vote for this. And then they still got called racist. And they're like, wait a second, I didn't vote for this. And then the price of everything went up. And they're like, wait a second, I didn't vote for this. Yeah. And now you're going to show those people we're so totally obsessed with Trump that we're going to indict him on something that by every standard would be considered a misdemeanor. Good. Go ahead. See how it plays out. Every Democrat now has a vested interest in what Alvin Bragg does because it is not seen as the district attorney of Manhattan engaging in an actual application of the law, but rather seen as the Democratic Party looking to find a way to destroy their enemy, the enemy of the state, as you could see it. And that is not an American thing to do. Alvin Bragg indicting Donald Trump 
forces response from the president of the United States, from every Democratic candidate running for any office anywhere. Do they really need that? Do they really need that? Thus, the politics does come in uh, to play. Now, there is a little bit of an update, and of course, these things change time and time again. Um, Proceedings were canceled today. The federal grand jury was going to meet to consider criminal charges against Trump, but uh, according to the reporting, Alvin Bragg has canceled the federal grand jury meeting that was scheduled to take place today. Grand jurors were notified this morning and were put on standby for tomorrow. Honestly, I don't know what to make of all of it. Maybe they feel they've got enough. Maybe they feel like they're going to put an end to it. Who knows? Who knows? What I do know is the indictment of Trump or not, it doesn't change the fact that gas prices are going up, that inflation remains high, that you still have trouble finding things on the shelves, that fentanyl is still pouring into the country, that China is working deals with Russia and there's nothing the United States is willing to do about it. Man, real things are happening. But you can't deny that an indictment of Trump would show you how weaponized the system is. And that's ugly as well. I'm Tony Katz. Senator Booker, New Jersey, Senator Warnock, Georgia, they want banks to stop overdraft fees because Silicon Valley Bank screwed up. And I I have absolutely no idea why one thing has anything to do with another thing. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything. TonyKatz.Locals.com. That's where you find it all. TonyKatz.Locals.com. Um, what's the problem? What is the problem here? Silicon Valley Bank didn't have a problem because of overdraft fees. It had a problem because nobody was minding the store. We know this. The, the, data, the data's there. Nobody was watching what was happening. They had nobody engaging in risk management. No one. They were too busy being wokey woke woke woke. So now you've got these two Democrats saying that overdraft and non-sufficient fund fees should be waived in the wake of the bank's collapse. Why? I don't understand what the issue is. They're not related things. Unless, of course, the issue is, well, it's as good of an opportunity as any uh, to pile on uh, banks and attack this one and, and claim that an overdraft fee is predatory. I mean, it's super weird. It's super duper weird. 
Here is a bank issue, a bank collapse. And by the way, will we see more? That's the question. If you missed my interview with uh, economist Dr. Matt Will, we're going to get that up on Rumble for everybody uh, to see. Um, By the way, I think Rumble crashed today. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if Crowder did it or not. (laughs) But, um, oh, yeah, it's, it's been brutal. It has been brutal to get anything uploaded, get anything done. It's just a just a big, hot, steaming mess over there right now. You have a possibility of banks just, you know, wanting the bed. And all because, of course, uh, you know, Jerome Powell has a choice to make, chairman of the Federal Reserve, you know, raise interest rates or not. You raise interest rates, you're forcing these banks that may be having a lot of bonds to lose value in the bonds, and that may cause them to then have issues, fail stress tests, not be able to keep up with depositors, etc. You don't raise interest rates to help out the banks, and you further the problem of inflation. Right? I mean, that's just the reality. That's all it is, just the reality of what we're dealing with. And they have to make a decision on what matters more. That's, I, I don't think I can explain it any better than, than that. Meanwhile, a group called PacWest, they have fallen 10%. The bank disclosing deposit outflows. Meaning they had $27 billion in deposits as of March 20th which is down from $33.9 billion at the end of December and $33.2 billion on March 9th. Meaning, translation, people are moving their money out, people are concerned and worried, and now PacWest, which is Pacific Western Bank, they may be the next on the block. Oh, let me, wait, is that, is, that, is that the stock price just today? Well, that's a nice little drop. That's a that's a boom. That's a that's a big boom boom right there in the drop. Huh. So maybe we were right. Maybe we're going to see more banks and more banks and more banks have these issues. We're going to see more and more banks have these problems. This puts more pressure on Jerome Powell. What am I going to do? What am I gonna, how do I how do I want to move? Do I want to increase these interest rates or not? But none of it explains what it is Cory Booker and Raphael Warnock are doing. What they're doing is saying, hey, here's a good moment to to take this, this crisis, if you will, and let's utilize it to our political advantage to get rid of these things that we find unacceptable. You don't want any overdraft fees. Right? You take out more money than you actually have. You don't want a fee. Okay. We just shut down the account and that's it. And we don't pay the bill. Or do you want them to pay the bill? Does the bank still have to pay the bill? I'm curious. I'm curious what the bank has to do for you. You want to waive the overdraft and now the non-sufficient funds. Well, if you walk into a bank and you open a bank account and the deal is we well, got to have this much money for this account, this much money for that account, your choice to open the account or not. None of this has to do with Silicon Valley Bank. This is very very political people 
ideological people looking for a way to move their ideology forward. That's what we're seeing. Doesn't make any sense. Meanwhile, Senator Mike Braun had a good day and a bad day with Joe Biden. That conversation up next. This is Tony Katz today. President Joe Biden, both of those pieces of legislation coming from Senator Mike Braun of Indiana. He joins us right now. Tony Katz, good to be with you, Uh, Senator. And also, I should mention a candidate uh, for governor in Indiana in 2024. Um, I want to go through the one two punch, but I got to ask about the 800 pound uh, gorilla, the possibility of former President Trump being indicted. Uh, We don't know whether this is going to happen, but people have been commenting. You have comments on this? You know, Tony, it's been interesting because if you go back to the first impeachment uh, as a freshman senator, I had to jump out uh, when I really wasn't interested in doing it. But I thought that was a railroad job. Obviously, it was. Um, I had to get a couple other senior senators to go jump in front of the mics uh, when Chuck Schumer was trying to litigate it each time with a weak case. So, you know, when I saw Trump come along back when I first started paying attention, to me, he represented half the country teed off with business as usual in D.C. I've been here a little over four years. You see it up close like I do. It's worse than what you'd imagine. So he gives a lot of material uh, to the competition to work with. But when you look at all of this stuff, it generally has a political angle to it. I'm not going to dismiss any of the merits of the case either. And for any of us that have come from the outside, uh, it's a constant struggle against the system itself. So where he's going to end up with this, I mean, they think they've got three or four ways to uh, get him or corner him. Um, Been like that since he came down the escalator and got elected. But again, some of it you got to maybe be personally accountable for as well. I still believe this place is messed up with the people that have been running it for a long time. He represents the opposite of that. It's playing out in a way that um, uh, who knows what's going to happen over the next uh, few months. Uh, he's got a lot to contend with. So you, you would argue that uh, while there may be things that Trump had done wrong, this, uh, the idea of an indictment, uh, based on what we know, you consider political? Definitely this thing in New York. I mean, this prosecuting attorney, why isn't he paying attention to his own backyard? I mean, these big cities and the fact that prosecutors, you know, we have a situation in our own state capital. Why aren't they litigating uh, the nuts and bolts of being a prosecutor on, I think, the issues that most people care about within their states? Here in uh, New York City, you know, they've been after him for a long time. And when you look at the particular case there, that is extremely weak, and we'll have to see where it goes. When there's that much interest, though, in taking someone down, they are going to push the envelope, and then it speaks to the issue of maybe you need to consider giving less material uh, for the competition to work with, but I'm on watching this in a similar way uh, for most of the time I've been here. Uh, He is an outsider. They don't like that. This place is run by the establishment, and you're, you're going to have this kind of political stuff. It's just getting to a fever pitch, 
and I don't know what's going to happen because he's surrounded by three or four issues. So let's move into the week that you had, talking to Senator Mike Braun of Indiana, candidate for governor in the state of Indiana 2024, already declared. Uh, first, let's talk about the veto. Joe Biden's first veto is on your legislation talking about ESG, environmental social governance, uh, and the idea of how we allow investing to take place, how these large-scale investors do it, taking money from other people who may or may not have a choice in where their investment dollar goes, you say that it shouldn't be based on factors that have nothing to do with the business. It shouldn't be based on ideological factors. And Joe Biden says, well, you're going to be keeping people from making real money if you take that away from them. So I'm going to veto this. What what was your response? So first of all, it's a, a badge of honor to be able to put legislation out there that would elicit his first veto. Another example of I call them political enterprisers. If they can't get things done legislatively, they look at all the tools in the toolbox. And I think throughout the rest of his two years, uh, he is going to, through their administration, find any way through rulings. Uh, I think a lot of these agencies are weaponized from the EPA to many of the others to get their point of view across. It's part of what I've thought about them since I've gotten into politics. Uh, They're faster footed generally than we are, and they will push the envelope. So the only tool when you do have a ruling or an executive order, and I got a great staff. If you recall, we were the ones that weighed in, did the Congressional Review Act on that crazy idea of forcing everybody to get a vaccine down to uh, employers of 100 employees. Then the Supreme Court weighed in. And, Tony, whenever you do this, it is going to be a message because, obviously, an administration is not going to sign something like that. But when you do make your point well, the Supreme Court came in on that vaccine mandate thing. Here they could do the same thing. Or a lower court could, because that's but, the but only go, remedy. But go with me, sir. Let me interrupt for a moment. Yeah. Go with me to the argument. Your point was was that we shouldn't, on a, on a federal level, be utilizing ESG as a a way of investing, or down to the to individual funds. What was it that you were actually advocating for, and what was it that Joe Biden actually vetoed? Okay, so if you go from the Clinton, Bush, Obama. Trump administrations, it's been the same ruling. You invest based upon the best return on investment. And I don't care if you invest in something, if it's ancillary, if it's a coincidence that you're putting it into a fund that might be looking at some longer term issue. I don't like the idea of pushing a woke agenda. I don't like the idea of pushing a conservative or a liberal agenda through a retirement account. But if you get the best return, which is what my point of view would reflect, Biden says you can't have that as the primary. Uh, you can you can include a interest in uh, ideology or a point of view as well as, and I think that should be ancillary, secondary to your return on investment. And the only case out there that studied it would have been Bloomberg when they took, if you would have avoided oil and gas, some of the energy stocks. Recently, it would have cost you 
2.6% on what would have been an 8.9% return, that's close to a 30% difference. I don't even think the liberals would be interested in that if they found out it was going to cost them that much on their But you're not opposed to people. You're not opposed to individuals investing the way they want. This is about funds where money comes in from people who aren't aware necessarily of what the fund is doing. Exactly, and that's that fiduciary uh, responsibility that any money manager is going to have. And I don't think most people would be even into the fact or even know about it until they open their quarterly or annual statement up and say, what gives? Uh, Why is my return so poor? And I don't think the money managers are going to tell them about it. They can go ahead and do it. I think it ought to be clear that your guideline is get me the best return on investment and you can uh, that's the primary and if an individual says hey put me in some uh, climate stocks put me in some of the uh, new technology out there fine but don't let it to where the money manager can do it because most people aren't going to be paying that close attention to it they're going to expect the best return on investment by the numbers talking to senator mike braun of indiana you can find him on twitter you can find him all over the place also a candidate for governor in the state of indiana 2024 you also get president biden to sign something which is to declassify covid covid origins uh, the most amazing part about this is that you got the left to go along everybody seems to go along with this idea okay let's declassify why is that well, number one, uh, this has got a backstory to it because we passed it two years ago, and I'm not sure that everybody is aware of that. That was not going to go anywhere because Nancy Pelosi was running the House. So we did it again now when there's been a lot of evolution on that, even from the FBI, from the Energy Department. I think, and when you hear stuff like that, Tony, my observation here is there must be something to it. And we did it again, and then they were in a pickle because Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans control the House. Uh, I got a call from Steve Scalise shortly after we ran it through again, and he was uh, almost giddy in the sense that they were going to get it to the floor, it's going to pass. Then every Democrat in the Senate had to be on it again. I was surprised every Democrat in the House was on it, but the issue has evolved to where most people have to say, uh, even if not with a straight face, they do it politically, we ought to expose what we've been holding in our intel agencies, in our own intel, what we know about the origins of COVID. I mean, I never thought in my wildest dreams we'd ever get anything that had every senator every representative on it, but they were kind of in a catch for that reason. Let's see what Biden does. He's got to reveal it within 90 days. That's part of uh, uh, this uh, bill. Are you anticipating anything, sir, before I I let you go? Are you anticipating something, something that that you're like, oh, wait till America sees this? I'd be speculating there, Tony. All I can tell you is all the stuff that we've gathered during this whole COVID navigation in when they've been such a uh, protagonist, uh, the Democrats, the Biden administration, Fauci, on certain points of view, we ought to get it out there and see for ourselves. I have no real gut feel other than I think there might be more than what we currently know, uh, whether it'll be earth-shaking or not. That's not the point. We ought to be able to see it and make up our own minds. 
Mike Braun, Senator Mike Braun of Indiana, a candidate for governor in 2024. You find everything at braun.senate.gov. That's the website that you go to, braun.senate.gov. I appreciate the senator taking the time to be with us. I find those two, that one-two punch regarding Biden kind of fascinating. I veto this, but I am okay with that. And I will admit, I'm, I'm stunned that the left is totally down with the idea of declassifying it all. And, and I, I, that they weren't more protective of Dr. Fauci. That, that really does blow me away. Because if I'm Fauci, and I'm seeing this regarding the declassification, I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, oh, they're going to find things that won't make me look very good. Correct? Because there are many, many things that don't make you look very good. I mean, you look, holy cow, Fauci looks awful. I don't even think this is debate anymore. Are there people still out there defending Fauci saying, well, you know, he did the best he could. No, 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 he didn't. He did the most, um, hey, is there a television camera I could? When you when you first saw that photo, is like a magazine cover, and he's in his backyard, and he's he's wearing the button down shirt and the the dress pants and the shoes, but he's like in the in the chair next to the pool, and the sunglasses, and you're like, oh wait a second, I don't trust that guy. That guy clearly wants to lead a cult somewhere in northwestern Idaho. That's not. My God, that's who he is. By the way, don't get mad at me, Idaho. I could have replaced it with Nebraska and it would have been totally fine. Totally fine. It's just Idaho was the first thing that came to mind, which maybe says um, a lot about me. And I'd like to apologize for that, for sure. I can't wait to see these documents. I can't wait to see how many people said, whoa, this is from China, right? How many people... Right off the quick, right off the quick, like, uh, uh, the, 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 this was China, right? This was China. They looked at it one second, they're like, oh my gosh, what happened in Wuhan? Like, that's the email I'm looking for. Anthony, well, they called him Tony, which kills me, but what am I going to do? Tony, seriously, what the hell happened in Wuhan? Like, you know that email exists somewhere? Of course it does. If you were to sit down tonight, honest, do this, try this. Sit down tonight with your favorite bourbon or rye or sipping tequila or rum. Sipping tequilas have gotten so good, by the way. Wait, I'm getting sidetracked. I'll get to that another time. And ask yourself, what is it that possibly got written to Anthony Fauci from friends? Like if you found out a friend of yours was in a car accident or was in a, in a thing, like whatever the thing is, you know, I don't want them to be in a car accident. You get my point. What is the email you would send them? If you heard a salacious rumor about a, a, a friend of yours, right? A communal friend of both of yours. What is the email you would send them? Picture that happening to Anthony Fauci. And we can agree that that happened. There's, a, there's, there's this thing called COVID. And, and it's now in, in, in there in, in Italy. And now it's in the U.S. And Wait, China? Wait, well, this happened in China? Oh my gosh, I know the work we were doing. Anthony or Tony, what in the hell just happened here? You know that email exists. I want to see it. 
And I'm amazed that Democrats went forward with this. You know, Senator Braun saying they were kind of locked in. Maybe. But now I want to see. And if you're Anthony Fauci, you can't be feeling good about what might be found. This is Tony Katz today. Now me and her go way back like Cadillacs in body like This is the sound of a mob attacking another mob at a mall in San Francisco. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. This is Roaming mobs of teens, as the headline uh, discusses it, in a mall in San Francisco, beating the living snot out of each other. Other people are around. They're like, what's happening? Next thing you know, they're in the middle of a melee. People are pepper spraying each other. Not people. These kids. You see, they're not there with guns shooting each other. They're just beating the daylights out of each other. Maybe because they're bored. Maybe because it's a gang thing. Maybe because they know they can get away with it and nothing's going to happen to them. Maybe because it's all just subdiffuse and they're out there stealing this, that, and the other. I don't know what it is. I said they could be bored. The point is, what kind of society is this? When we talk about firearms and shootings and you hear people talk about gun violence, you hear us say uh, that it is not a conversation of gun violence. What's leading to this? Stop saying it's about the gun. Explain to me what's going on in San Francisco. Explain to me the violence here. What is it? Just random teens being teens? Oh, okay. Not that, then what? Until we have a society that is willing to look at the cultural underpinnings of what's happening across America, the violence across America, we're never going to solve the problem. Never once, never ever. And the people who want to scream, well, it's about the guns. These are ignorant, foolish people who won't do the hard work of trying to figure out what's going on, what is lost from society that needs to be reintroduced, or what is in society that needs to be extricated. Meanwhile, San Francisco just has one more reason why you shouldn't go. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today.